This is Tennessee Talks with United States Congressman Tim Burchett. Hello, I'm Congressman Tim Burchett, and I want to welcome everybody back to another podcast of Tennessee Talks. I'm glad to be joined in this episode by Joe Gamaldi. Did I say that right, Joe? Yeah, you got it. Well, my name's Burchett, so I get my name gets massacred everywhere. I, I always say Birch like the tree and et like I just ate dinner. And then my wife says, quit saying that because they say Burchett and it's just Burchett. And I say, so anyway, you're the vice president of the National Fraternal, Fraternal Order of Police, FOP, which is the largest police union in the United States, and has over 364,000 members. Is that right, Joe? 364,000? Wow. Yeah, I think we're actually up to 366,000 now, so yeah, we continue well, to grow. That's good. Well, you must be doing something right. <laughs> I and, hope so. Yeah. Well, Joe worked as an officer in the New York Police Department for around three years, then transferred to the Houston Police Department, where he's currently active, uh, an active sergeant. I mean, you've also served in various roles in the national FOP for several years after being elected national vice president in 2019. Joe, I want to thank you joining Tennessee Talks, and it's really cool having you on the show with us, brother, and, I, and I'm greatly appreciative of you taking time. I know you got a busy schedule, and with all those, all those many uh, folks you represent, that's a lot of fires to be putting out, so I'll, I'll get right to my questions. I wonder, what do you think is fueling the defund the police movement? Now, we're being told in Washington that that's not a movement, but I, I'm seeing too much of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick of it. it. It it turns my stomach. I'm from a family of you know, my mom and dad. My dad fought in the war, Second World War, and, and, you know, they're educators, and they're all about law enforcement, about what's right, and the, the rule of the law. And I, and I see that movement, you know, and I've, I've said this many times. It's not politically correct, but that government, you know, you got an active shooter. I'm not sending in a counselor. I got to send somebody that, that wears that badge that understands the rest of us civilians are running out. Y'all are running in. And, uh, and God bless you for that. But what do you think is really behind this movement? Well, I think what's really behind it is you had people on the far left pushing defund the police and dismantle the police. And, and they were talking about these things before George Floyd ever really happened. It just the volume got turned up to 10 after that incident. Sure. And what happened was you actually had politicians in these local communities, instead of listening to the people who are actually living in their communities and who are law abiding business owners, they were listening to the people that show up at city council and scream the loudest. Or they were listening to people that sent them emails, even though, you know, they were the block emails where they just changed the name at the top. And in certain instances, they forget to change their own name. That's how smart these activists are. Yeah. So they would just email and bomb these folks. And they actually thought that it would be a good idea to defund the police without even consulting their community. And then when you look at the polling data, I mean, a recent Gallup poll just came out that said 80% Americans are worried about crime in this country. And they're right, because crime is through the roof. Last year was the deadliest year in this country in over two decades for homicides. We had 16 American cities experience their highest murder rate in recorded history. We are talking Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Austin, Portland, Albuquerque, list goes on and on. So you actually had these local politicians and, you know, we had a lot of uh, national democratic politicians that were all too happy to jump on the bandwagon as well for defund the police when they thought it was going to be popular. 
So they listened to the loudest voices in the room instead of listening to the actual people that lived in their communities. And it's a shame because at least a number of communities were smart enough to see through this nonsense and not defund their police departments. But we have seen horrific consequences for those that have. And you know, it's funny, you mentioned an active shooter and sending in, you know, violence interrupters, whatever the hell that is. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> but in Washington, DC, where they deployed violence interrupters, violence actually went up in the areas that they deployed them. Like shocker, if you remove police officers and you put in untrained individuals who have no idea what they're doing, crime's gonna go up. And then you have this push nationally now to try to distance themselves from the defund the police movement. You have Nancy Pelosi telling everyone, well, no, we weren't really for defunding the police. And I'm sorry, the American people aren't stupid. They saw what they saw, they heard what they heard. And you know, you have Jen Psaki laughing about violent crime, telling people they should blow off steam by taking a kickboxing class. I just don't understand how out of touch they can be with everyday Americans. I mean, it, it, it's mind boggling. Well, when they live in private gated communities, and then they have their own security details at taxpayer expense. You know, they, I, I see that up here. I see some of the people throwing the most firebombs about that issue have their own security detail that you and I as taxpayers are funding. But, uh, but I guess I digress. Uh, you and I are in agreement on that for sure. I, and I'm wondering about some of these Democrat leaders. They blatantly supported the defund the police movement. And now they're walking back the anti-police rhetoric. You know, President Biden even said in his State of the Union address, I think he said something about the answer is not to defund the police, the answer is to fund the police. But, you know, words are cheap. I, I wonder, what do you think caused this change? You think the American public just said enough is enough? I mean, you know, some of the, the uh, had a good friend of mine I was uh, and went to church with, he's an FBI agent, and, you know, we, we talk about the inner city and the problems there, and he said, that some of the best people in the world are in their inner city and some of the worst. And the best are usually held hostage by the worst because they can't get out because of the crime. Their bars on the window, they're raising their kids and their grandkids. They're worried about them, drive-by shootings, the drugs, the fentanyl, the heroin, the gangs and all that. And then they, um, and then I, I think if you would stick the microphone into the, into the face of a, of, a, of a grandmother who's trying to raise some kids in some of these scenarios, you'd get a completely an different answer than some of the representatives who are preaching this rhetoric up here in Washington. So what do you think caused this change, brother? Well, you know, I'll tell you, Congressman, I, I still work night shift. I still work patrol in the inner city. And I, I was actually, I worked last night. I caught a little nap and now I'm here on the podcast. Um, Thank you. But when I talk to regular individuals out on the streets, law-abiding community members, they don't want less police officers in their neighborhood. They want more. And you know what? We have polling data to back it up. A recent poll of Black and Hispanic Americans, over 76% of Black Americans want more police officers in their neighborhood. Over 80% of Hispanic Americans want more police officers in their neighborhood. So sure. the whole defund the police movement was a complete farce. And I think what the Democrat Party is doing now, trying to distance themselves, is they realize this is a complete loser for this midterm elections. They, they see the writing on the wall, they've seen all the polling data, but I think what's upsetting to me is that you needed polls to tell you that the community would not support removing police officers from the neighborhood? You needed polls to tell you that community members want safe streets? They wanna feel comfortable taking their kids to school? They wanna have a business that thrives? And why is it that we look at the same communities that have been downtrodden and have been you know, just 
overwhelmed with crime for generations. It's the same communities. It hasn't changed. That's right. And it's unless we're going to take a real long look at how we fix our communities, that we have to provide job opportunities, that we have to provide better educational opportunities, that we have to get teachers that actually want to take the job in those neighborhoods, that they feel safe. It all starts with a bedrock foundation of public safety. And these folks deserve to have uh, supermarkets in their neighborhoods because it creates food deserts when there's too much crime. Your supermarkets won't go in their area. They deserve to have banks around the corner from them. And I think sometimes as Americans, we might forget there are neighborhoods where you have to travel miles and miles just to get a bank, not because you live in a rural area, but because the bank doesn't feel safe opening in that neighborhood. It's not fair to the people in that community, and they should hold their elected officials accountable for that. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you know, it seems like a lot of these defund the police advocates support taking money away from police departments used to fund social workers and mental health counselors. I know there's a place for them in there, but it's generally you know, when the situation is diffused, can you get them calmed down? Can you get a situation where you got to lock somebody up or you got to turn somebody loose or maybe take them to um, a mental health professional where they can get some real help? But I'm wondering, how might parts of this plan be helpful to police officers? And what are the flaws in this line of thinking? Because it's not a cut and dry situation. Sure. You know, unfortunately, with the, the current polarization in our in our country, there's not a lot of nuanced conversation going on about this, but, but there is absolutely kind of a, a middle ground here because as police officers, we don't want to handle every single mental health call that comes across. And frankly, we shouldn't be handling every single well, yeah, mental health. For, for example, but, you've, you've got a guy standing on a street corner who's messed on himself, he's yelling at the sun or whatever, and you know he's in danger to hurting himself. Now, Surely, if you would send a law officer there to make sure he doesn't hurt himself or someone else. But if there's a mental health professional that could, could address that situation, I could see that being a very obvious, obvious situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, nonviolent situations or even a situation where we get there and it's under control and then we turn it over to a mental health professional that shows up, that is absolutely a program that could work, that we would support. But, but here's the rub. When we come out and say, we believe these are a good idea, they go, well, we need to take money from your budget to make it work. And I'm like, well, hold on. You believe it's such a good idea. Surely you can find money somewhere else in the budget to fund it. No, no, no. It has to come from your budget. And that's when I know they're not actually interested in you know, pursuing this program and making sure it's successful. They just want to hurt police departments because, I mean, I'll let your listeners know, you know, we were being defunded well before anybody talked about defunding. I mean, yeah. we have not been budgeted properly. Most police, every police department is understaffed. So if we were operating, I mean, we can't even handle the call load that we have now. We have people waiting hours when their house gets burglarized. And imagine it's the worst day of your life and it takes a police officer four hours to get there. And I don't care how friendly I am. If I was that person, I'm going to be pissed that I yep. waited four hours for you to get there. So the point is, if we were fully funded and you wanted to take a little bit of money away to start this new program, we were fully staffed and we were providing the services that residents expect for the taxes they pay. Well, then you could have that conversation with me. But no, you're not going to take away money from us when we've already not at the, the levels that we should be. And I, I just I tend to dismiss people that can't have that nuanced conversation, just demand that the money come from the police department budget. Yeah, I, I think their priorities are out of whack. I used to say when I was a, um, a mayor 
you know, our, our largest hospital, our largest mental health hospital was the Shelby County Jail. The next was the Davidson County Jail. And the third was Knox County Jail, where I was the mayor. And I said, you know, our law enforcement are not trained mental health professionals and they're, and it's not, it's not in their job dis description. We've, we've missed the boat on that. And, um, and, and we just voted for $40 billion after about two hours of debate, send it to Ukraine for who knows what. And yet we can't find money to, to pay our officers. And um, to me, that's disgusting. But anyway, but I digress. I, some other thing, you quoted some statistics. And if I could quote a few and then follow up, 73 police officers were killed in 2021. 59, a 59% increase from 2020 and the highest number since 1995. 123 officers have been shot this year. As of May 1st, this is something that's very alarming. 39 of those officers were shot in ambush style attacks. I'm wondering, what do you think is causing this drastic rise in violence against our police officers? Well, you know, there's a number of factors and, you know, I just want to provide just a couple more statistics. Just last year was the deadliest year for law enforcement for intentional homicides in 20 years. We barely hear people talking about it. I mean, we're talking about it here. Yeah. Occasionally, Fox News will, will cover the story, which is great, but other networks won't even touch it. Um, you know, we've already had, you know, now it's over uh, 130 police officers shot this year. It's a 40% increase over last year. And last year was a historic year in police officers being shot. We had 346 officers shot last year. Um, so that's just how bad the problem is, you know. We have police week going on right now. We're going to be honoring our fallen officers. We're going to add 563 names to the memorial. That's 563 families who are ripped apart by tragedy. I think yep. it's easy when we just talk about numbers that we forget those are people. Those are fathers, sons, mothers, daughters. So when you ask me what's causing this, you know, we have been denigrated and demonized for the better part of a decade. And, you, and people have continued, and those in the media and politicians have, have basically made a career out of bashing police officers because it serves their narrative. It serves the small constituency that they're trying to adhere to. And as a result, we've seen violence against this go through the roof because people, criminals out there, they're thinking less and less of shooting us and less and less of killing us. Ambush attacks are up almost 35% this year over last year. So I don't think it's hyperbole when I say we're literally being hunted in the streets with targets on our backs. And I get academics who sit their ass safely behind a desk say, well, Joe, that's not really true. You tell me how I'm feeling because I still put that vest on every day. I still put a gun belt on every day. So when you take that denigration and demonation and you combine it with the woke revolving door criminal justice system that we are seeing sweeping this country, it is not a shock to anyone that violence is up against police officers. I mean, right now, with bail reform and rogue DAs and activist judges, I think the average American thinks that if someone shoots someone out on the street or they rob them at gunpoint, that these people are going to jail for 25 years, 30 years. That's not what's happening, folks. No. They're getting a PR bond with a pinky promise to show up to court. They're getting a sweetheart deal from a district attorney who might give them probation. Yes, you heard me right probation for shooting someone and they're right back out on the street. This doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. If you do not have consequences for people's deviant actions, they are going to do it again and they're going to escalate. And that's why you're seeing crime go through the roof. And it's just, it's upsetting and maddening to us as police officers because not only do we wanna see safe communities, 
We want to go home to our families too. And, I, and I'll tell you, Congressman, I just, I've been to entirely too many hospitals where I've seen friends shot and I've been to entirely too many funerals. I agree with you on that. That's, I couldn't say it better. I, you know, as you stated, we're in the middle of a, of a crime crisis, really is. 12 major cities across the United States have reported record high homicides in 2021. Aggravated assaults, domestic violence, and car thefts also rose in 2021. Uh, and we talked about that. Criminals are becoming more emboldened. But it just seems that after one year, after just one year, that is that is increased. And it just, and uh, and I agree with you. I think it's, it's the outpouring of, of uh, demonizing of law enforcement that has been coming out of Washington. When you have somebody and it's, and then, and then the talking heads just, you know, they allow it to go. They allow it to state it as fact. And, um, and the people doing it up here, it's disgusting to me. I mean, I, you know, I think I've got a wife and a daughter and um, when bad things go down, which they have, and that I don't want to discuss here, but in, in, in and around, and I pick up that phone and law enforcement is there and they are, they are way ahead of it in my community and in, 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 in the area I live, and I'm, and I'm very appreciative. Um, I'll ask you one more question. I know you got to get back to work, and I appreciate you taking time out because I know you've no, been- No, I have to be here. I appreciate it, brother. Uh, but what can elected leaders do to help officers stay safe and do their jobs? What, what, what do you think if, you know, if I was going out, and I, I speak to a lot of school kids because I think that's where we're kind of losing the deal, and it just- it feeds into this this thing, and it, when I grew up in in West Knoxville, I mean Charlie and Joyce Burchett's kids, you know, when it is yes sir, yes ma'am, officer, and <laughs> yeah. you know it was it was the real deal. And I'll leave you with one other story. Uh, my um, when my daddy died, he was an old World War II Marine, and um, and he said, look, if they do a motorcycle procession. Just make sure it's not Japanese motorcycles because he fought in the Pacific. And I said, Daddy, I can I don't worry about that. And so I, I said, I asked if, if one officer would would show up because KPD, Knox Police Park was on Harley Davidson's and they still are, thank goodness. And, you know, and I remembered we went to the funeral home where they were bringing Daddy's body out. And we were going to Veterans Cemetery where they're going to bury him. And the entire... I, Every KPD Harley Davidson was there. And Daddy was a, like I said, he was a combat veteran, a Marine. And they stood at attention and, um, you know, and they saluted my daddy. And, and it was a, and my mama was so proud. And I, you know, it was that kind of respect. They were showing the respect to my daddy because they knew, you know, him being Dean of Student Conduct and how he backed law enforcement and he was in the community and, and about that, and it was a mutual respect. And I, you know, I, I'll never forget that day as long as I live because it, it meant a whole lot to my mama that they were, as she would say, they were honoring her Charlie like they did. But uh, I'm wondering what can, what can I as an elected official do to keep you all um, safer in your jobs? Well, you know, I'll tell you, you know, not just as elected officials, but just everybody in, in our communities, you know, reach out to, to the youth like you talked about, not just high schools, because we may have lost them by then, but, but middle schools as well. And just, you know, message to these kids that police officers are here to help. You know, we want kids to feel comfortable to come to us if they get lost, if something happens to them. 
that we're here to protect them and that we're the good guys. You know, it's, it's sad that I actually have to say that, but that is where we are in this country right now. Um, and, and also, you know, if you see a police officer out there, just thank them for their service. You have no idea what that means to us. If so, when someone says that to me, you've literally made my day just by saying that. So, you know, support your local law enforcement. And, you know, what I ask elected officials in Congress is take a look at the Protect and Serve Act, which would make it a federal crime to knowingly assault a police officer because we literally have rogue DAs right now who won't take that charge when an officer is assaulted. And it's sad that we have to ask the federal government to even look at something like this because you think that local, local officials would, would take care of something like this, but they don't. And I would also ask the community, engage locally in your politics, uh, you know, really research candidates, understand what they stand for and what you're voting for. Because I, I think sometimes we get caught up where we're not focusing on what's going on locally in our communities because we're busy. We have families, we have businesses, we have all these things that we need to do. So we're not gonna go to a city council meeting. We don't have time to keep up with those things. Yeah. And if you don't, there can be deadly consequences. And just to give you an example, in Harris County, Texas, which is the third largest county in this country, they instituted bail reform at the cost of $100 million. And when they did a study, they found out that 80% of defendants aren't showing up to court. Wow. We just found this out. Spent $100 million. Crime is through the roof here. The murder rate's never been higher. So folks, you have politicians around this country who are submitting you to a social experiment with no statistical data to back it up. They're telling you that this is going to make it safer, that it's going to make communities better, but they have no data to back that up. And they're just willing to experiment on you and your neighborhood. Please, please understand what's going on locally and hold these politicians accountable. In your community, if it's being ravaged by crime and the people that you've elected aren't standing on a bedrock platform of law and order, you need to vote their asses out because we all deserve safe streets and safe communities. We all deserve to have an opportunity to prosper. Awesome. Well, brother, I thank you for your time. And I always ask, and I, I, I probably wish I hadn't, but I'm going to ask you, do you have any questions of me? Uh, you know, I guess, I guess my question would be, you know, we hear a lot of, a uh, lot of talking heads on the news that, that there's going to be a, a red wave or a red tsunami. And I'm just wondering on what you're seeing from the inside of Congress. Is that, is that what you're, you and your colleagues are feeling? Is that what you think is going to happen? And, and if you guys do have a red wave or red tsunami, what are going to be some of the legislative goals or, or legislative yeah. direction that you want to see the, the country going? Well, I, I think that uh, I do, I believe there is, I, you know, these consultants, they'll tell you all the issues you look at, but, but always go to the gas pumps. People are ticked off. Yeah. Crime. Exactly. I mean, what red blooded American would want to defund the police? Even the Democrats are mutinying on, they mutinied on Pelosi on that. And I, and I, and I told, um, speaker, uh, McCarthy, I, I I've told him multiple times, I said, we got to have a plan and it better involve these values that we hold dear. And it better be, in, it better involve in taking care of our military and taking care of our, our law enforcement because that is changing daily. And we got to make sure that they have the, uh, the tools to do their job. And you can't, you can't have the tools if you don't have the right people. And if you, 
you know, I've often said education, if, you know, they always want to do these standards, what all this stuff. And I said, just pay them more. Now you're going to, you're sure you're going to pay some, some folks you wish you at, but it's going to drive more people towards the dadgum job. Cause you ask every cop on the street, I, I, every one of them, and they'll say, you know, hell, they ain't doing it for the money. I mean, yeah. you know, they're doing it because it, what they love about their country. And, um, and so, I, you know, I often I always remember a story my dad told me when he was on Okinawa and the, and the war was about over because they just, they did, they, they dropped the bomb on Japan, but they didn't, dad said that was like Buck Rogers stuff. He didn't <laughs> yeah. understand, you know, a bomb, you know, and, and, it was, and he said, uh, you know, um, got these buzzers going off. It's not in my head on <laughs> this thing, but, but, you know, and he said they were all sitting around a campfire one night and some of them were draftees and he was an enlistee and they were talking about it. And they said, you know, it's the reason they were all there. And it's the same reason law enforcement's there. It's because that again, we got it pretty good at home and we want to keep it that way. And, you know, you want to go, all my buddies who are police officers or sheriff's deputies or PBI or FBI, ATF, all of them, you know, at the local level, they all say that same thing. You know, they want, they want that. They want, they don't want to get that call. You know, that's an, that's going to be a bad situation. They, they want to preserve it, but if they, but they do, they're willing to take that risk. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and to me, it's uh it's an invaluable thing. And, and I think there is going to be a red wave. And if the Republican party doesn't step up, we're going to lose our country. And that's not some conspiracy theorist thing. And I think McCarthy agrees with me and he's got a plan and we're going to, and we're going to follow through with it and uh, hell or high water because uh, when people start comparing America to some third world country, I mean, it, it's lawless, it's lawlessness. Yeah. And it's not the men and women that, 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 that wear that badge. It's, it's, it's the gutless politicians that won't step up and make the right decisions and take, make the tough decisions. So I think the, I think we're going to do it. And I think the American public is going to respond overwhelmingly to that. And I, Joe, buddy, I, I tell you, I can't thank you enough, man. I tell you, I, you, you've made my day. I feel a little more fired up out there right now. So about what's going on. If you ever come to East Tennessee, brother, I expect a phone call. Cause I want to take you around and introduce you to some of your brothers and sisters, but also just some regular folks that just want to shake your hand. Cause East Tennessee is still people love law enforcement there. And they, um, and, and they show it. So anyway, I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about defund the police movement and how it harms our officers and our country. And I thank you so much for your service, brother. Can't thank you enough for law enforcement and looking out for the men and women in blue. Um, if we can ever be of assistance to you, please call me. And I'm Congressman Tim Birch. I want to thank everybody for being watching my good buddy Joe here on the with me on this episode of Tennessee Talks. And Joe, next time you're going to have to work on that accent a little bit. <laughs> New York, you gone to Houston, then you get, if you'll, you'll check the, the history, there wouldn't be a Texas dad gummit, but there weren't for a Tennessee. So uh, <laughs> it's called the Alamo. Hey, thanks for having me on Congressman. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tennessee Talks. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Keep up with Congressman Burchett by following at Rep Tim Burchett on Twitter and Instagram and at Congressman Tim Burchett on Facebook and YouTube.